When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. NBR Broncos podcast on this terrific Thursday in the Mile High City. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my guy, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into a jam-packed show, I've got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Over at DraftKings Sportsbook this week, if you use the code DNVR and you bet $5 on any NBA basketball game that's going on, you'll immediately win $150 in free bets. That's all you have to do. Bet $5 and you immediately get $150 in free bets in your account. And no better time to do that than with Avs playoffs going on right now. Avs with a dominating game one win. They're going back for more in game two. You can use that $150 on the Avs game tonight so check them out over at DraftKings Sportsbook my boy Mace what is going on my friend oh no muted I I didn't do that (laughs) (laughs) Kale's out to get you Mace I know like I I, we were the the theme song started early and I hadn't got my tweet up so that's why I'm just like typing away I wasn't really listening to what you were saying because I was trying to get the the link out on Twitter. And then, so it's, you know, we're, we're figuring, you know, that we're muted. We're figuring everything out. <laughs> we're, but we're doing it together. And Mace, there's some interesting news coming out. Of course, this off season has been full of mile high magic, and there may be a little more magic in the air with this morning. We have some news breaking that magic Johnson has teamed up with Josh Harris in his ownership group, and he is now a part of Josh Harris's ownership group to potentially buy the Broncos. What do you make of that? I mean, it's I think for Josh Harris, you get a minority in the group, and that's something that the NFL has prioritized. I mean, if this, but it's not the NFL making the sale; it's the Pat Bowen Trust. This still comes down to who has the most money. Now, certainly, Magic Johnson. Uh, can can help can help a group. He can help a group uh, with his experience as part owner of teams and administration. Of course, he's been involved with the Lakers. He's been involved uh, with the Los Angeles Dodgers. has a has a world has a World Series ring. He's not he's not the the primary money person with the Dodgers, but at the same time, he he's kind of the out front person from that ownership. And so you can't argue that the Dodgers are successful and have been successful uh, with his involvement now. That being, of course, would that translate to the NFL? It's another matter. You don't have a salary cap in Major League Baseball. You do have one 
in the NFL, so it'd be different. But that being said, if this were a normal sale, and it doesn't necessarily have to go to the highest bidder, just the one that they think is best, then I would probably make more of it. The fiduciary responsibility the trust has to uh, sell to the highest bidder, as long as it's approved by the league, that still leaves Rob Walton and his group in the driver's seat. Yeah, and you mentioned his his involvement with the Dodgers. He put up fifty bit or fifty million dollars, I should say, when he was part of the group to to buy the Dodgers. That was two percent of the cost of the Dodgers. If he put up fifty million for the Broncos, that'd be roughly one percent yeah. or just over one percent. So I, he would really be uh, probably the biggest name in the group. But Mace, I can't imagine that he would end up being the guy calling the shots. I still think this would be Josh Harris or someone with with a bigger stake in this. But it is good to not only have the minority uh, representation in there, of course, but also it, it would be fun to have a big name in there. However, there's a lot of hesitation out there with people saying, Okay, Magic Johnson, obviously a, a great person, love to have him in, but his ties are to the Dodgers and to the Lakers, not just playing for them, but of course being in their executive office. A lot of people do not like that in Denver. Who gives a damn? I mean, <laughs> he's been successful uh, for, for the most for the most part, right? I mean, he's got uh, he's he's got championship rings that were won not as a player, right? He's he's experienced. He's an extremely savvy bi- uh, businessman. I mean, on a lot of levels, you know, I'd love to ha- I'd love to have my Magic Johnson in any group just because I'd love to have his experience and knowledge and wisdom in a group. You know, I mean, and certainly that would be an interest. Like him and him and Harris would be an interesting pairing because, of course, then you'd have Magic Johnson, who's been involved with the Dodgers and Lakers. You have, of course, uh, T- Harris who's involved with the 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. I mean, you've basically, you've involved the other three major sports in this country. I mean, I think even though they would be learning about the Broncos and the NFL, the wealth of institutional knowledge that they have would be, uh, would, would, would be absolutely uh, tremendous. And I think would probably help the Broncos. Yeah, and it's a really good point about just how there would be a lot of experience in professional sports with this group, but I don't think it's really going to matter because, as you said, this is going to come down to not the type of people that the Broncos are potentially selling the team to. It's going to come down to money, and as we've talked about, if a Walmart is involved, Mace, it's likely going to go to them, and, of course, Rob Walton is involved with his 70, 60, $70 billion, give or take $10 billion. It doesn't really matter because he would still be uh, about 10 times wealthier than any of these people or these groups out there. So it, it's probably still going to go to Rob Walton. And you imagine you're going to see at some point some uh, some other minority ownership tied in with him so that so that he can not satisfy that, but that that's something that's important in the NFL and to the Broncos. Uh, and so that today, let's talk about someone else that is from Southern California. Today is George Payton's birthday. Happy birthday to George Payton. But also with George Payton, we've got something to talk about in regards to what he said this past week after the draft ended draft ended we know that the broncos and george payton wanted to add more picks to the 2020 
2023 draft class uh, during the 2022 draft. Because going into the 2022 draft, the Broncos only had four picks in the 2023 draft. And we know that George Payton likes to have around 10 plus picks in the draft. They picked up one third round pick. So after the 2022 draft, they had accumulated or they had five total picks in the 2023 draft. So I asked him if it was, if he was satisfied with that, if he went into the draft wanting to get more for 2023. And here's what he said. We wanted to pick up picks for next year. I didn't know how we would do it. I'm happy we got a third. We'd like to have maybe gotten a few more, but it just didn't work out. We were working the phones, and once you get past the fourth round, it's hard to get much value. We're happy with the third. We have five picks next year. We'll have a lot more than that. I guarantee it by the time the draft comes around. So I'm going to read that last sentence again one more time because that's where the juice of this is. He says, We'll have a lot more than that. I guarantee it by the time the draft comes around. So George Payton guaranteeing that the Broncos are going to have more than the five picks they have for next year's draft than they have right now. And you don't just get picks by hoping and wishing. And we already know the compensatory picks that the Broncos would have for 2023. We already know that what, what that would be. And the Broncos uh, don't have any more. They're not going to have some compensatory picks that come in to make it seven or eight picks for next year. So they're not getting picks through compensatory. Uh, they're not going to, they're probably not going to get very many picks by trading back or trading up in next year's draft. And you only trade picks in, in a draft when the draft is going on. So we're not going to see the Broncos before the draft next year, trade a third round pick uh, for a fourth and a fifth round pick. That would only happen once the draft is going on and the Broncos aren't going to do that before the draft starts. So that's not a way. So how do you get draft picks? Well, there's one way that you get draft picks from now until the start of next year's draft. And that's by trading players. And look, we've seen the Broncos do it in a, in a variety of different ways. Specifically, we've seen George Payton do this in multiple different ways. He traded Von Miller for a second and a third round pick. That was obviously a massive blockbuster trade. It got the Broncos two good picks and two picks that really came in handy this year after they dealt their first and second for Russell Wilson. We've also seen him do it in a much smaller way. We saw him trade Trinity Benson at the end of training camp for uh, a day three pick, a late day three pick, but still that pick was very valuable to him. That's something that he values. So now we kind of have to look around the roster and see, okay, are there any big time names that the Broncos could trade for a first, a second, a third round pick? Or are there some smaller names that probably... Broncos might end up cutting or just making the back end of the roster that they could get a fifth or sixth rounder to do. And we don't have Mace here with us right now, uh, but he's when he jumps back on, I'm going to ask him this question. And for everyone tuning in right now on YouTube, I'd love to hear your answers. Throw your answers in the comment section on YouTube. And while you're at it, please hit us with a thumbs up, subscribe, turn on alerts. We'd really appreciate it. I would really appreciate hearing from you guys right now. And if you're joining us on Twitter, we'd really appreciate it if you hopped over to YouTube to do this. And so when we're waiting for Mace to get back, I'm just going to dive in and first take a look at the positions that the Broncos could trade from, the positions of depth. And let's just start with quarterback. Broncos, probably not going to be able to trade Josh Johnson uh, or, or Brett Rippon. Both of those guys, uh, especially 
Josh Johnson. He was on the open market. So probably not going to be able to trade a quarterback. And that's okay because the Broncos finally have that position. They have the number one guy. And now you want to keep some, some veteran uh, quality depth there. Running back is potentially a position, depending on what you think of Mike Boone and depending on what you think his future is with the Broncos. Uh, and, and Mace is jump, jumping back with us now. Uh, and Mace, what 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 I was doing now was going position by position to just to just talk about really quick, not exact players, but what positions the Broncos could possibly uh, be looking to trade from now until next year in order to pick up capital, whether that's big, big capital, like the Von Miller trade that got a second, a third, or whether that's Trinity Benson capital, where we're talking uh, a late day three pick. So I'm saying quarterback, there's probably no value there because obviously the Broncos aren't trading uh, or they're, they're not trading Russell Wilson running back potentially on how they view Mike Boone. And, and if a team for some reason comes down with injuries at the running back position and kind of jumps at Mike Boone, obviously they're probably getting a, day three pick for him probably not much uh and now wide receiver mace obviously a very deep position for the broncos i heard broncos i didn't hear what you said before that wide receiver a very deep position for the broncos uh it it, it is but at the same time i mean you're you're gonna need some guys to have good camps right now you look at the back end of the depth chart the guys should be trading from uh I don't know that Tyree Cleveland and Seth Williams right now have enough value to where a team wouldn't just say, well, we'll take our chances with them uh, uh, on the market rather than making a deal. What you're, what you're hoping for is at receiver in particular, kind of like Trandy Benson last year, you're hoping somebody has a good enough camp and a good enough preseason. You showcase them and another team like Detroit did with Trandy Benson last year says, we got to have that guy. And we don't. We're willing to sacrifice a, a day three pick, make some swaps, uh, and, and end up being down one pick in in the aggregate to make sure we get that we get that guy. So, trading from wide receiver, I think, is something that would happen at, at cut down, kind of like it happened with Trandy Benson and running back. I don't think it has anything to do with Matt, with Mike Boone or Demaria Crockett back there. And Whether I think Melvin what Mason Gordon and Javante Williams are healthy. If they're healthy. Uh, maybe you think about it. And also, if Crockett does well, maybe you think about it. If uh, one of them has a, a nick at some point in camp, you don't make that deal. I, th- I think I think the trade's much more likely to come from another spot on the roster. Okay, and, and we yeah. will continue to go through the roster. Uh, but I think Mace wide receiver, I think you're right. There's probably not much value for a Tyree Cleveland. Uh, for some other back end of the roster guys, Seth Williams, probably not. But hey, if George Payton could flip one of those guys who's really probably not going to see the field this year for even a seventh round pick. We know how he values seventh round picks. I think he would probably be thrilled with that, but you're right. That's coming after preseason when a guy's able to stand out in one or two games, kind of like we saw Trinity Benson do. Uh, But there could possibly be some value with one player specifically of the top four guys. And that, that Mace it, uh, potentially two guys, I should say, but one of them that kind of sticks out, not Jerry Judy. I think he's kind of the second guy, but the other guy, KJ Hamler. 
And the reason I say that is the Broncos drafted Montrell Washington to be a punt returner, to be a kick returner, to be a special teams guy. But he does bring some pretty special speed. And what we've seen from the Broncos is, and and at least how we're approaching this season, is anything you get from K.J. Hamler this season is a cherry on top. We're not counting on him, not because we don't like him, not because we don't think he's talented. No, it's because we don't don't want to plan on him being there because he hasn't been there uh, for, for the majority of his career. But what if he stays healthy? What if he has flashes in training camp? What if he has flashes in the preseason? And then Montra Washington also has the same from the receiver position as well and shows that he can be that deep explosive threat. Look, you're not going to be able to flip Montra Washington for a, for a second this year. You're not going to be able to flip him for a third this year. He was a guy the Broncos used a fifth round pick on. And then even then he was surprised he was taken in the fifth round. So probably most teams had, you know, sixth, seventh undrafted grade on him. So you're not going to be able to get good value from him. But what about if KJ Hamler shows that he's healthy and a team comes and says, Here's a day two pick. Do you consider it, Mace? Yeah, but they're not going to give you a day two pick. For KJ, what 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 do you think you would get for him? Uh, late fourth at best. Mm, do you make that deal? Absolutely, I do. Because, I, oh. I, again, the, his, the history on him is too injury prone. And you're talking about somebody who's a, a number four receiver. And, oh, by the way, you have Kendall Hinton as your number five, but you're perfectly fine with him as your number four. And he actually may even fit better um, some aspects that are going to be uh, demanded of the receiver position, like uh, being uh, being in, of a third or fourth receiver, like being involved as a blocker in the pa- blocker in the running game as well. Especially if they're not if they're going to cast the fullback aside. Uh, Hamler may be a ni- nice piece, but um, he may not be the most uh, the, the most snug fit. And if he's if a team is willing to give you, I think if they give you a, a late fourth round pick. You, He's halfway through his contract. He's missed more games than he's played. Even before he got to the Broncos, he had a history of hamstring issues. If someone offers you a late fourth-round pick, I think you do it. And I think it's a good point about the contract because we know if Jerry Judy develops into the guy the Broncos hoped he would be coming out of the draft with the first rounder, you're paying him. You're already paying Cortland and Tim. Now, those contracts could match up pretty well in terms of when you're paying those guys, but you're probably going to keep Tim or Cortland after their first contract or a- after their second contract, which they're on right now. So, are you really going to pay him, Jerry, and KJ Hamler? It's a good problem and question to have. But if you get to that point, Probably not. So you might as well get some value now. And that's just a guy where obviously a lot of things would have to go right. He'd have to stay healthy. He'd have to flash. But I just think that's someone that we haven't talked about that could get you some value. And boy, if you're anywhere close to a third round pick, you absolutely have to consider, especially because of what 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 Montreal Washington could bring. And again, I'm not counting on him to be a big piece in this offense at all. And Mace, another guy in the receiving room who we've talked about a decent amount in terms of trades, Jerry Judy. What do you think about him? Not right now. Not this year. Yeah, and and that's exactly how I feel too. It, it's it's a just an awkward time for him because I think he can increase his value so much this season. You'd be selling low on Jerry right now. And he's a guy that you want to see through. You you want to see what he can do with Russ. And let's say he comes out and absolutely blows it up and he becomes Russ's favorite target. Well, he's probably worth the first round pick to someone. 
but you're not going to be trading him. You're going to be signing him up to make your quarterback, Russ, happy. You're going to be keeping him here. So that's a guy where it just – the timing doesn't make sense. Mason, it, it would have made sense in order to trade for Russ, in order to trade for Aaron Rodgers. That's why we were including him because he was a valuable piece of that. But right now, just as Samuel Bisu in the comment section is saying, let the kid show what he can do, and I agree. So I actually think if you're going to try to get the most value out of someone – it very well may be KJ Hamler. And again, we're not talking anywhere close to a first round pick or anything like that. All right, let's move inside a little bit because I think there's a conversation with the tight end room as well. Coming off the news yesterday, Mace, that the Broncos signed Eric Saubert for a second straight year. Of course, a Drake product. Go Bulldogs. But now, Mace, the Broncos have a stacked tight end room. Maybe not stacked in terms of uh, you know a bunch of starters, but it is a full, full room, depending on if you count Andrew Beck as a tight end and you're including the two uh, undrafted guys. They've got eight tight ends in this room right now. We know three, maybe four, again, depending on how you view Andrew Beck, are going to make this team. But when I look at this tight end room, okay, they just signed Eric Saubert. You have Eric Tomlinson. You have uh, Albert O. And you have Greg Dulcich. Those are those are four guys that I would think are going to make the team. And then you have Andrew Beck as well. But if that's too crowded of a room, could you get some value out of one of those guys instead of cutting them? And who do you think it is, Mace? Well, beyond that, if you want to make a Trinity Benson type of deal here, you hope that Sean Byer emerges over the course of the offseason. I mean, he's sitting there. He's a he's 248 pounds on a six foot five frame. And uh you can say has some things in common with, with Dulcich there. So maybe you're hoping buyer can kind of get you something at the back end of, of the depth chart, but the, it, the, but there's nobody here that's going to get you a lot on the market. I mean, I think ba- the best case scenario of trading any of these guys uh, other than Dulcich, but you're not trading Dulcich right. is a six round pick. Okay. And so the guy that I look at in this group they just signed Eric Salbert. He's been on the market for a long time. No one's probably going to trade much, if anything, for him. Sean Byer, yeah, if he has a breakout preseason, you could probably get a seventh for him. But I'm not even I'm not counting on that happening. Uh, like you said, Dulcich, you're not trading him. Uh, Eric Tomlinson, I I think they they love him. They love his role and what he can be, and also a blocking tight end. You're not going to get much for him. And so that leaves someone that everyone loves here, Alberto Mace. I think the the public and even the media like Alberto a lot more than the Denver Broncos uh, organization does right now. And Alberto, I think he's probably outputting Greg Dolce's aside. I think he's probably the most valuable of these guys. And I think if you could sell a team on his potential and he comes out in the preseason and looks like a dangerous wide receiving tight end, I think you could get a fourth form and that's what you drafted him for. Uh, and so I just, I, I think that's something the Broncos wouldn't be able to resist. Look, they drafted, they drafted Greg Dulcich to be his replacement. So they have already in their minds kind of moved on from him. And so if they could get any value back for him, uh, I think that's something that that they would certainly be open to. Man, I wouldn't want to give up on Alberto right now, uh, but but I think that's a guy who fourth, fifth round pick. I think the Broncos would absolutely consider. Well, he doesn't have the injury history, at least not as extensive as KJ Hamler. There is an injury history there, but we've right. seen you know. But that was kind of one year. There's like a difference between having an injury and having an injury history. KJ Ham. That's I think a difference between KJ Hamler and Albert Okwebenon that. Okwebenom's significant injury was basically in his in his rookie season, and he came back. He looked like he got all the speed back as well. 
And so you don't have the same, it's not the same kind of discussion as you would have uh, with Hamler. Four, four or five speed for a tight end is uh, is pretty exceptional. Um, I would say this, um, I'd like to, I'd like the Broncos to find more ways to, to try to, to use him in space, even as a, a chess piece type player. But if you, but let's say he's being used in space. He's, he's, he is that, that move tight end, but the way you're using your wide receivers, the way you're using your personnel groupings, you're only thinking that he's getting 15 to 20 snaps a game and you have Dolcich waiting in the wings. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't even say a fourth round pick. I'd say if someone came with a fifth round pick, if that if that is how you've decided you're going to use him, you go ahead and make the deal. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, and I think that's just and and again, like I said, I think media and fans, specifically fans, like Alberto more than the organization. We have a lot of people in the comment section saying, "Don't do that." If you could, if you could have a fourth round pick on Alberto, take Alberto. Alberto's special, and that's a, I, I don't disagree with you. I think he has the chance to be a very dangerous weapon, but. I just think that the Broncos aren't viewing him in that same way. And Mace, we got a juicy super chat coming in. But first, I got to tell you about our friends over at Lightshade Dispensary, where they have Wana Opticals, which is fast asleep, 20 to 100 THC to CBD. And if you need to get some shut-eye after the big game, turn to Wana because it's going to get you a well-rounded sleep. It's going to get you a sleep fast and if you use the code dnvr over at lightshade dispensary you're going to get 25 percent off all non-sale items at any of their 11 denver metro locations including barnum which is their newest and biggest store it's just one block off sixth avenue and federal and they have so much going on at that barnum location so many products that aren't offered anywhere else because it is their biggest so if you go to lightshade.com or go to any of their 11 locations and use the code dnvr you'll get 25 percent off that's lightshade and code DNVR. Also, want to tell you about Ivaca TV. Look, maybe you were in the Denver market, Colorado Springs market, and you wanted to watch the Avs in Game One earlier this week against the Nashville Predators. Uh, got off to a great start, but you had cable and you didn't have ESPNU. You had ESPN, ESPN two, not ESPNU, which meant that. You missed the Avs' barrage of goals to start the game and start the series against the Nashville Predators. Well, if you had Ivaca TV, you wouldn't have had to worry about that because Ivaca TV has altitude, which has the Avalanche first-round games, has the Nuggets games. And you can watch all the Colorado teams you love with Ivaca TV. Ivaca TV is a totally new paradigm for television delivery that is less expensive, more efficient, and offers a superior pr- picture to the legacy providers. And they have channels like Altitude Sports, AT&T Sportsnet Rocky Mountain, which means you never have to worry about missing an Avs game, a Nuggets game, a Rapids game, a Colorado Rockies game. It's all there for you with Ivaca TV. So you don't have to complain anymore about not being able to see your team, your teams. You can sign up for Ivaca TV and you can watch your local teams. So here's how you sign up. You go to Ivaca.tv slash DNBR. That's E-V-O-C-A dot TV slash dnvr use the promo code dnvr easy to remember and you'll get ten dollars off your first three months which will knock that fee down on a monthly basis to fifteen dollars per month for the first three months plus the cost of a receiver you don't have contracts you don't have hidden fees you can rent the receiver you can purchase the receiver and then get yourself set up to make sure 
that you don't miss any of the Nuggets, the Avs, the Rapids, and the Colorado Rockies. Sign up for Evoca TV. So go to evocatv.tv slash DNVR. It's evocatv slash DNVR. And use the code DNVR to get $10 off your first three months at Evoca TV and get back to watching your Colorado teams. But if you want to watch the Avs tonight, surrounded by other Avs fans, come to the DNVR bar. Game starts at 7.30, but you'll want to come to the bar right after work to make sure you get a spot. It is going to be lit. It is going to be packed, hoping for another beatdown of the National Predators. And of course, if you want the best Colorado sports coverage, go to thednbr.com. We've got a bar. We've got a website. We've got podcasts. We've got YouTube. We've got it all. But if you want the most comprehensive coverage, Coverage. Check out thednvr.com where it's all in one place, including written articles. Mace is putting out pieces. I'm putting out pieces. But we also cover Nuggets, Avs, Rockies, of course, the Broncos, Rams. Uh, we, we cover the Colorado XOs. We cover the Buffs. We cover it all when it comes to Colorado sports. So make sure to check us out at thednvr.com. When you sign up for an annual membership, you get a free DNVR shirt over at the DNVR Locker. We'd really appreciate you supporting us. And when you do, drop a comment in the comment section on our podcast so we can say hello and get to know you. All right, Mace, I told you a super juicy super chat came in and it came in from our friend i'm pulling it up right here uh jess says and we really appreciate the super chat jesse says do you see denver making a veteran receiver move like landry or obj no i think the broncos (laughs) not only have their uh financial commitments and and their their draft picks invested at the wide receiver position but they also have their own big names, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. Uh, those are two big names that that are known, I think, around the league. And then, of course, very well known in Denver, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick. These are guys uh, that I think the Broncos are very satisfied with. We're talking about even the Broncos having too many guys that they could potentially trade one if they get uh, a good enough offer for them. So, no, Mace, am I wrong here? Could you see the Broncos making a move? I don't think you're wrong, although certainly if you want to increase your draft capital, and again, I think it would be Judy most likely be moved if you did this. If you want to increase your draft capital by uh, moving one of your receivers, you could bring in one of these guys. That said, I don't think it'd be OBJ coming off the ACL that you saw from the Super Bowl. And, and frankly, I think if you did bring in one of these two, Jarvis Landry would make more sense, and you could kind of have a more got someone who was a little bit more analogous to playing in the slot than uh, Jerry Judy uh, might be as a third uh, wide receiver. So. I don't think this is is something you're going to see, but even if you did, I think it would be Landry before OBJ. It's a really good point though, Mace. If you're going to trade Jerry Judy, I mean, those guys would be a fantastic replacement for him because they play his similar game. They, they, those guys aren't coming in to replace Tim Patrick or Cortland Sutton in their games. They'd be coming in to replace Jerry Judy. And what would you consider for Jerry Judy, Mace? I mean, if you think about that, for signing one of those guys and trading Jerry, what would it have to be? Two. Mm, okay. Two. And I, but the, I mean, interesting thing also kind of in play, I don't know if you saw um, a couple of days ago, uh, what Mike Florio pro football talk was saying that uh, Alan Lazard of the Packers will play out the season. And then he wants to sign with the Broncos. His, his quote was that Lazard quote, could be destined for Denver unquote. And so I I bring that up because if you did sign, let's say you decided to just just kind of start shuffling pieces around. First of all, next off season, 
that may be a way for you to trade Jerry Judy and get some draft capital, right? If you bring in Alan yep. Lazard. Yep. Um, but if you wanted to go ahead and do that right now, maybe it, it just depends on what you view the draft capital as. If you want to do it right now, you could bring in Landry for a year, trade Judy, and then get Lazard next offseason. I think it's more likely, though, that if what Mike Florio Pro Football Talk is reporting comes to pass, that you'd try to get a very good season out of Jerry Judy this year, and maybe you can kind of turn his value back to round one value. Mm, and then and then bring man. in Lazard, and that might be a way to recover some of this draft capital. Yeah, it would remind me big time of what the Chiefs just did with, with Tyreek Hill taking a guy that that's very valuable. And if you're able to get a one for Jerry Judy next year, it means he just had a really good year this year. Uh, and, Hell and, high, and, right? Yeah, yeah, and selling high, and then also then trying to replace uh, the guy you just you just uh, traded with. Not a trade guy, but just a guy in free agency that you're paying, and you know he's not going to be worth that money. But then Mace, then essentially all you trade that then you only traded one first round pick for Russell Wilson. You're only without one first round pick for trading for a future Hall of Fame quarterback. No Man. two twos though. Yep, yep, still two twos, but just it becomes a lot easier to swallow. And obviously, this was very uh, easy for us to uh, to to digest that that trade for Russ. But then it just comes that much easier. Man. That is certainly something to consider. So uh, really appreciate that super chat. And Mason, now let's move even further in on the offensive side. Offensive line. The Broncos, you could argue they have one star on the offensive line with Garrett Bowles. Some people may may push back against that. Uh, but then they, they have just a lot of pieces. I mean, they have three potential right tackles right now. They have maybe five potential interior offensive linemen that can start. So you can say they have a lot of depth. They could trade some pieces or the flip side and the counter argument that is if they have three starting uh, right tackles, it means they don't have one. If they have five potential guys that could start on the inside of the offensive line, it means they don't have a single one. How do you view this offensive line? Is there any value in trading any of these guys? Well, I think the, the guys you consider trading, I don't think they have high value. You're talking about uh, late day three quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, even, and who? Okay. Even a, a even a Dalton Reisner, last year of his rookie deal, you'd probably be very fortunate to get a five for him at this point. I agree. So I, the, these are, if you trade from the offensive line, you're, you're, you're trading for pick volume. You're trading for more darts. These are probably later darts but the thing with reisner that uh you start thinking about with him is even though he's in the last year of his deal by going to an outside zone outside zone scheme here you're going to something very similar to the scheme for which he was drafted two years or three years ago in which he succeeded the most right that was his best season he was playing great before he injured uh that ankle and then you look elsewhere on, on the depth chart and again we're not talking about great value here but is Natani Muti a fit for what you want to do? That's something that you're learning. We know that Quinn Miners, in an effort to be more ready for outside zone, has lost some weight. The belly isn't quite as big as it used to be. He said he played at 330 last year. Now he wants to play closer to 320. So if he so, and we know that he can operate in space. If he's a little bit smaller and a little bit quicker, I think he's probably going to. I think he's probably going to do um, very well. 
Lloyd Cushenberry is also worth discussing. He's kind of in a move on or move up or move move out kind of uh, situation. You have some competition, but let's say Cushenberry does well. Uh, do you consider trading one of your valuable death pieces like Graham Glasgow? Could you get anything for him coming off of the uh, fractured ankle that he had? He looks like he's in pretty good shape based on what we saw uh, last week out at um, voluntary veteran camp. But again, all these pieces we're talking about, we're talking about at best fifth round pick, more likely sixth or seventh round pick. I totally agree, Mace. In fact, I think that the Broncos' most valuable offensive lineman in terms of trade value uh, is Quinn Minerts, uh, because on a rookie deal, I think uh, he's viewed very highly around the league. I know there were a lot of organizations that laughed at the Broncos when they took him in the third round last year. I don't think they're laughing anymore. I think they say, damn, we messed up. We shouldn't have let Quinn fall to, to the third round. We should have grabbed him in the early third, late second. Uh, I think he's very highly viewed around the NFL for what he could, he could become. But you're right. Other than that, and, and putting Garrett Bowles aside as well, I think all these these pieces will be viewed as depth pieces for other teams, fringe starters. And, and so you're, you're getting a day three pick for them at the most. And, but the Broncos do have a, a lot of guys there. Like I said, they, they have potentially two backups on the interior offensive line. They have two, two backups uh, at right tackle that will eventually be backups. Uh, these are guys that maybe we do see one or two trades made for sixth or seventh round picks. It, it's not that there's no value there. It's just don't expect a, a huge return on these guys. Right. Like, for example, I mean, they signed Tom Compton. And, of course, he played uh, with Butch Berry out in San Francisco. Started for the 49ers at right tackle during their playoff run back in January. If you dealt him, certainly he might have some value, sixth or seventh round pick. I just don't see the Broncos dealing him because he came with Butch back in March. And, oh, by the way, the other thing you like about Tom Compton is experience in a, in a similar scheme and that he can play four spots as a yeah. backup. He's kind of your ultimate swing. Cause he's not just a swing tackle. He can play on the interior as well. So someone like him is in terms of roster building is more valuable than a backup who is strictly an interior guy or strictly a tackle. So I don't like, I, I don't see the, I don't see him being traded. I know, um, you know, th there's, uh, I believe it was, uh, Michael Kerr there in, on the, uh, in the comments is saying, uh, choose between uh minors or Wattenberg. I don't know if they're choosing one or the other. I think if I think if Wattenberg does well, he comes into the conversation uh, of Graham Glasgow or Lloyd Cushenberry being able to trade one of them. Yeah, I'm not also, expecting Wattenberg to start this year. Let's make it clear. Usually, those day three guys that you draft for a zone type of scheme, we kind of take the clock back to when Mike Shanahan, Alex Gibbs, Rick Dennison were running the offensive line back in the day. Usually when they drafted a guy, it was a year to sit and develop and learn. And then maybe they were ready to play in year two. Um, but that's, but if, if he comes on, I think you look at him to, you, you say, okay, we can trade somebody else, but not him. But I don't think it's going to be minors because uh, the thing that kind of excites you about minors is, if he keeps the power at a slightly lower weight, you already saw last year how well he can operate in space. He he should be able to translate. Yeah, there's there's no question. For I agree with you that I don't I don't think it's going to it's certainly not going to come down between Minerts or Wattenberg, but 
and if it does, the answer is so clear and obvious. You're, you're keeping Quinn Miners. And, and a lot of people saying, um, it, it, there's uh, Jay in the comment section, no one's getting traded. Jay, why don't you flip back to the beginning of this podcast when we talk about why we're talking about this? George Payton told us that people are going to get traded. Uh, well, so, yes, getting traded. He just said they're going to have more picks. And so it's putting two and two together yeah. because they're not getting any compensatory picks next year. So yes, exactly. what they've got right now, if they don't make any deals, uh, this five is it. And he said not just more, but didn't he say a lot more? Yes, exactly. So not talking about trying to get one or two picks. Nope. I think by taking one of those threes next, taking the three from Indianapolis next year and splitting it into a four and a five. Right. The the only way you are getting more picks is by trading put to the point where it's quote a lot unquote is player capital. And that's, I mean, it was funny, like Zach and I, after the press conference, this was a thing that both of us kind of hit on and said, this is right. going to be a good discussion. Yeah. He put it, he put it out. Like you don't have to do a lot of, a lot of math to put together what's going on here. Nope. And then you start looking at the, the, you start looking at the depth of the, of, of the, of the roster to find out where you're going to get, where you're going to, going to get these picks. I mean, I know it's painful to talk about because, as fans, you get attached to certain players, and even uh, as media, you get attached to guys that you like. I mean, I've you know I like talking with Quinn Miners. I'm I'm I, I hope he personally I hope he sticks uh, in the locker room because he's seen, he's becoming kind of one of those go to guys who has an intelligent opinion on pretty much anything. But you know, it's it's something that you have to bring up. Yeah, exactly. I'm right there with you. And then also people saying, don't trade offensive linemen. Injuries happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're 100% right about injuries happening. But Mace, when when you go through the depth chart of what the Broncos have right now, you're talking about 10, 11 guys that you can make a case will all make the team. That's just not going to happen. You know, you're talking about between eight and maybe 10. So you're going to be cutting one or two guys, maybe even three guys that you think can legitimately make the team. It's like the Trinity Benson argument. Okay. Right. He's a back end of the roster guy in the depth chart, or maybe we're going to have to cut him. Let's see if we can get some value. And you're, you're not trading Wattenberg for a third round pick. And you're probably not trading Wattenberg this season as a rookie, but uh, talk about Calvin Anderson. How, how Remember they that? trade Let's... up for Wattenberg too in the draft. Right, right. So right, that, that exactly. alone tells you something about how they feel about him. Exactly. But, but let's say Calvin Anderson or Natani Muti, who a lot of people in the chat are, are loving. Broncos haven't loved him as much as, as fans have loved him. That could change with the new staff, but also he doesn't necessarily fit the new scheme a hundred percent as well. He doesn't profile as well. So you, you talk about those guys who don't win the starting job would be good backups. You trade one or two, one or both of those guys for some picks. And then you still have Tom Compton as your, as your swing backup. You're not trading your backup. You're trading, uh, you, you know, your second or third guy who you feel comfortable with the other one. So you're not eliminating your depth. Right. And Stylin Musa says, well, so you put him on the practice squad. Well, first of all, if a player has value to other teams, enough value, you're not going to be able to do that because they're going to be able to claim them. And if that's right. the case, then aren't you better off tr making that trade and getting something rather than getting nothing? Yeah. And that's like the, the, the genius of the Trinity Benson deal was getting something for a guy that you weren't going to be able to have room for on the 53. And as we saw, there was enough interest in him at that moment to where somebody probably would have claimed him and you would not have gotten him back. And then it works the other way. 
you know, the Broncos trade for Jonas Griffith from the 49ers at the deadline. Well, that trade is possible because the Niners were going to cut Jonas Griffith. They wanted to get something rather than nothing. Now, given that the, the roster is deeper and stronger than it was at this time last year, and the need to collect draft picks, I don't think you're going to see maybe more than one trade of somebody coming in at the most. I think this is mostly going to be guys on the outbound train because you have and to and tip the cap to George Payton because he's done a great job here in coming up on in about 16 months on the job. He's done a great job rebuilding the guts of the roster, the back end of the roster. And that's mm-hmm. why you can have this conversation because the back end is of quality that, uh, that other teams may well be interested in. Oh, 100%. We have people in the comment section saying uh, that they're throwing some trade ideas on the defensive side. And Mace, we'll get to that We're getting probably, there. We're getting ne- there. <laughs> pr- probably next week, though, just because this was such a good conversation. Uh, I think we can have just as good and deep of a conversation on the defensive side of the ball. And I want to make sure that we get to all of your questions, too, because we've got a lot of them today coming in on the DNVR.com. But I really enjoyed this conversation. And the good thing is, and I feel like we have to say this every time we talk about trading guys we're able to have this long of a conversation about trading guys because there's so many guys on this roster that actually have trade value and not just first and second round guys but there's a lot of depth there and mace just like you said the broncos didn't have that before what was it two or three years ago when john elway was the gm on cut day the broncos signed like seven guys uh to to replace guys that they had and that was just so damning to the broncos roster they were saying that their roster was so weak that they had to go out and sign almost 10 guys that were cut by other teams to help their squad get better. You're not going to see that this year. In fact, you're going to see the opposite. You're going to see the Broncos able to make a couple of trades to get some fifth, sixth, seventh round picks instead of just cutting guys that have no value. Right. I mean, I think uh, you had, uh, you had, for example, they, they made the trade uh, for Jonas Griffith, right? Yep. And then the next, and then right after that, they um, they claimed uh, Mike Ford and uh, Nate McCrary. Remember, remember those yep. guys? Yep. Yeah. It, and then um, and then they act. The other thing is they didn't. They actually signed a couple of guys that they had uh, cut, I believe, right? Because they they brought back uh, Cam Fleming and Shamar Stephen. I mean, it was it was kind of it was kind of like a bus station there for a little bit. And the thing is, I rem- that that was George Payne's first year. It was something very similar in John Fox and John Elway's first year back in 2011 because they were working on the back end of the roster at the time. It was kind of, mm-hmm. you had a bunch of moves that, that happened. And actually, I remember covering the Panthers one year when John Fox was the coach. The back end of the roster was so bereft of talent, Zach, that the, that the Panthers actually cut to 51, oh not 53, gosh. because Yikes. they knew they were going to find better on the market. And even and find better, even though their waiver position at that moment was, I believe they were about the 28th team on the waiver claim list. And they th- they said, we're going to be able to get better on the market because the back end, because they've gone 12 and four the year before, but they've kind of started uh, messing with the back end of the roster. So, I mean, that's what it looks like when you're on the other side of this. Yeah. 
Yep, exactly. And the Broncos are on the right side. And if you want your teeth to be on the right side, go check out our friends over at Green Mountain Dental, where if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush just by getting your teeth taken care of. They're going to hand you over a great free Sonicare toothbrush when you book a cleaning over at Green Mountain Dental. They're only a 15-minute drive from downtown Denver. They are diehard Colorado sports fans just like all of us. So when you go there, they're not only going to treat you like family, you're going to be able to talk Colorado sports. It's going to be a very friendly environment. And they're also part of our family. They come by the bar, maybe even be here tonight for the Colorado Avalanche game. And they are great people. So make sure to check them out over at Green Mountain Dental. Schedule that cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Well, Mace, I mentioned it just a couple minutes ago. The live chat has been popping. I've absolutely loved it. And also, our comment section over at ddnvr.com has been popping. People want to be heard. So let's jump into the comment section. First one coming in from Bronco UK says, yes, Broncos are coming to my hometown. I can't wait. Please tell me you guys are coming and doing a podcast from a pub in London. Give me some advice. Shall I wear my Jerry Judy shirt on or my DNVR shirt? So excited, guys. Please come pints on me. Well, Broncos UK, I have some good news. I think you can wear them both because we're going to be doing multiple celebrations throughout the entire week. Yeah, yeah, got to love it. I mean, wear both and then uh, whatever's better luck on game day, wear that on game day. <laughs> exactly. Whichever night you have a better time on, wear that one for game day. <laughs> yeah. Next one coming in from Double D says, you guys will have an absolute riot in London. I'm sure you will get tons of advice, but I would suggest you set up base in uh, Marlbone. Am I saying that right, Marlbone. Mace? Marlbone. I believe it's Marlbone. I nailed it. Really nice area of London with good access to the Jubilee Line via Baker, Baker Street Station that goes straight to Wembley. Lots of great hotels, but no, London hotels are pricey. My favorite pub in the area is the Larrick Gastro Pub. Renovated pub with elevated food offerings. Pretty big and has a good private room where you might be able to set up, but there are tons of alternatives. Love these ideas. Thank you. It says you should go to a football game on the Saturday. Ful Fulham FC has one promotion to the Premiership and is owned by Shad Khan. They play at a really cool old stadium, the Craven Cottage, over by the river in Fulham, and they have always have Amer or they always have Americans on the team. Tickets will be half price of Chelsea or Arsenal. Hopefully, they're at home that weekend and play someone fun. Maybe you can arrange some special access, etc. Given your media and the Khans own the team. Maybe if you have time, you can do a Ted Lasso tour up in Richmond. Go and hang out with the actual first season pub, which is the Prince's Head. It's just a short walk from the Richmond Tube Station or the District Line, but long, slow trip. Man, I love all of those recommendations. You, you're getting me fired up and you're putting a smile on Mace. Yeah, because I'm I, I'm planning on doing the Ted Lasso tour uh, when I'm when I'm over there, like doing doing the Ted Lasso location tour. Which, by the way. If you're going to really go all out, you want to make sure you get out to Selhurst Park, home of Crystal Palace, um, because that it, even though that's not near Richmond, that is that is the ground that is uh, Nelson Road, a.k.a. the the dog track. So, yeah, it's going to be for those of you who are Ted Lasso fans, it's going to be a pretty. 
It would be, uh, man, it's going to be so much fun. And I may have to check out uh, Ted Lasso as well. Next one coming in from Kendon Hinton or Kendall Hinton, Hall of Famer. Been a while. I've been busy, but I haven't missed an episode. I know for me, when I saw the poll, I thought who would be the starter was basically asking who's going to be the starter, like who's at the top of the depth chart and will get the most reps, especially in the first game. That might be my under that might be my misunderstanding, but I think if more people were thinking of it in terms of who's going to get the first snap, then we would see Tomlinson get a little higher percentage of the vote. So Kenan Hinton, Hall of Famer, is talking about our pod poll a couple of days ago where Albert O had like 80% of the vote that he was going to be the week one starter. Eric Tomlinson had 2% of the vote, and Greg Dolchis was right around like 17% uh, or 18% to, to make it 100% of the vote. Uh, and it, what's funny is just Mason Ryan, think of it's going to be Eric Tomlinson. I think it's going to be Greg Dulcich. And all of you think it's going to be Albert O. Uh, and it, it, it is interesting what you what you consider a starter. Uh, I guess that you just kind of have to blend those two together. But it is a good point, Kendall Hinton. Next one from Melbourne Broncos says, My boys, so happy European NFL fans get to see a real game. But I'm bummed out. In 1985, the UTEP Miners played the Wyoming Cowboys in Melbourne at a cold and windswept Waverly Park. 30,000 fans attended, including me. In 1999, Denver played the Chargers in Sydney in a preseason game. 70, 78,000 fans attended. I couldn't get there. Guess I can only wish and dream of the Broncos coming to Melbourne, where a game would be a sellout at Marvel Stadium. Cheers and let's ride. Well, Melbourne Bronco, I'm bummed that you don't get a game this year, but I do think that how much there's a focus on pushing international games. They'll eventually get back to Sydney. They'll eventually get to, to Australia, but it may take some time. It may take some time, especially because right now the, the next territory to be conquered is Germany. Right. And that's it, starting with the Seahawks Buccaneers game in Munich in November. They're going to, it looks like, get over to Frankfurt at some point as well. But I think developing Germany is the higher priority right now, especially because if having overseas based teams is ever a thing for the NFL, it has to happen with two teams on the other side of the ocean for logistical and, and travel purposes and so I th that's that's why i think there's a lot of significance to them playing in germany and why with all respect probably australia uh japan china are kind of well down the list right now yeah it, it, it is a good point uh but but i hope you get maybe a preseason game sometime soon next one from yeah. telelax says i just watched the judy presser and i can't help but feel from his energy there that that he has a couple toes out the door from all the media speculation about him getting traded away i understand it's your job to ask but can the media detrimentally impact an nfl franchise through their business it seems like there is some banter about Justin Tucker in Baltimore as well that seems media-driven. And even if the source is legit and Tucker is lying, doesn't that still result in turmoil? This seems like a really hard line to draw because obviously speculation in the offseason drives clicks and presents interesting topics for discussion. The hard part is it isn't a Madden franchise, and these players obviously have feelings, ego, self-love, etc., just like everyone else. Sorry this is long, but what happened to the epic real wood four-point bed frame you once had at a time, RK? Still amazed you got it in the basement. Uh, so, Mace, I got to address the, the Jerry Judy stuff uh, and Telelax. 
Actually, yesterday we had the press conference which made Bowl and asked questions to. I thought Jerry was the happiest he's ever been in a, in a Broncos press conference. So uh, he he doesn't seem as happy at the podium as some other players, but that's just who Jerry Judy is in front of the media. I don't think he's the most comfortable in front of the media. Uh, he may not like us as much as other players. I'm not exactly sure, but I did not get any vibes yesterday that, that he felt like uh, that his foot was out of the door and that he didn't want to be a Denver Bronco. In fact, I thought it was, maybe one of the best press conferences he had. I, th- I thought he was more open than he's typically been. That's just who Jerry Judy is. And you know what? Some some guys are going to be more open and friendly at, at, at the podium than others. Uh, but I, I actually didn't come away from Judy's press conference yesterday saying, man, he is not happy. Yeah, I got the exact opposite vibe that Telelex did. I got the feeling that he was that he's ha- he's truly happy in Denver kind of for the first time. And in particular, he's happy with the quarterback who's throwing in passes. Yeah. There so wasn't I, I, there was a little shade thrown at the previous quarterbacks, but I mean, uh, I, I don't think it's shade as much as just he's talking about how good Russell Wilson is. I think if you're, you know, if, if you're if you're saying something positive, unfortunately, people are going to take it as a shot at uh, the the other guys that were here. But you you know you have to praise Wilson because he's you know because he is everything that uh, the, the Broncos hoped he'd be. And Macy, it's just the truth when he says that, that, you know, Russ is bringing a different energy, different feel, uh, a better quarterback. That's that's honestly the truth. And the second part of his question, Mace, what are your thoughts? Can can media cause drama? Can, can media start trade talks? Can media force a player to be traded? Usually media only starts trade trade talks when something uh, gets heard. I think I think what happens yeah. is is. It, 99% of these things are, you know, a whisper coming from out of the organization or uh, from an agent or so forth uh, gets reported and dragged into the light. So I think it's I think it's a case of unfortunately uh, shooting the messenger when you shouldn't shoot the messenger. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And also, um, it, it's just things that that make sense when when Brandon Stokely and Zach by asked Von Miller a couple of years ago what would he be willing to take a pay cut to stay with the Broncos maybe they hadn't heard that the Broncos were, were going to ask Von to take a pay cut but it kind of made sense his production had been down uh, he, he was getting older his contract was still going to be massive. It was a very fair question, uh, and clearly it really pissed Von Miller off, and, and we talked about this back back when it happened, uh, but I think it was a, a totally fair question, and that's just the media in a different way doing their job. So, the, And did that force the Broncos to trade him then? No, and in fact, when the Broncos eventually traded Von Miller, it was under a different general manager, so it didn't, didn't impact it there. Exactly. Next one coming in from PS2. It says, been a while since I have commented. A couple, I'm a po- couple podcasts behind, and the most recent one, you guys were talking about how you would prefer an elite wide receiver like Stephon Diggs over Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, especially seeing how the league is overvaluing wide receivers right now. I disagree. The amount of receiver contributes to a team's success compared to the percentage they use against the salary cap 
gap is probably the worst position. Being an elite wide receiver requires one of two things, an elite quarterback or quite literally being the only receiving threat on a team. Diggs did not become elite until he had Josh Allen, and that is considering he had a top 12 quarterback with Kirk Cousins. Another example is Cooper Cup with Stafford. Also, bringing it back to my point that receivers are overvalued, the top 20 wide receivers with the most yards, only seven were selected in the first round. This trend seems to be true for the most receiving stats, whether that's yards or touchdowns. If I were a GM, I would not pay a receiver over 10% of the salary cap, which is currently about $20 million. Also, I would not waste a first-round pick on a receiver. One team that has followed this philosophy and has always got great receivers is the Steelers. Hopefully, I have convinced you guys. Ah, PS2. Unfortunately, you haven't convinced me because you're kind of using two different arguments. One of the things that we talked about, which you mentioned at the start, was We've talked about, would you rather have an elite wide receiver that's making $25 million? So Stefan Diggs, Tyree Kill, those type of top guys, or Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, who make about $25 million combined. Me personally, I'd rather have the one star, the 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 one elite receiver than two really good receivers for the same price. But then you kind of switch the argument to you should never pay receivers. Okay, well, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, and there's another thing also kind of just looking at the at the at the at the comment here. You said that top twenty wide receivers with the most yards, only seven select in the first round. So that means you're saying seven come from one round and the other thirteen come from all the other six rounds plus being undrafted. Right? Right. Right. So right. what you're telling your hit rate in the first round. Your hit far. rate's a lot higher, as it should right. be in the first round. But that's the thing. It's it's you gotta kinda look at the ratio there, not just the raw number. And and here here is the thing though, PS two. Uh, I do agree with you that I personally wouldn't pay a ton of money for the wide receiver position. But that wasn't the question that we were debating earlier. We were saying, would you, if you were given twenty five million dollars to spend on the wide receiver, would you rather have two guys or one guy? Me personally, I'd rather have the game changing guy. Uh, but now, if we wanted to start another conversation, which you kind of did in, in your comments. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I would rather spend my money in a different position. Yeah. Next one coming in from Pig Tosser 66. He says, I just looked and Vaughn was listed at 6'3", 243 pounds coming out of Texas A&M. Benito is listed at 6'3", 248 pounds. Obviously, Vaughn Miller was a generational dude and had the complete game to go number two overall, but I wouldn't be too quick to think of Bonito as a one-trick pony. I really love this pick and excited to see what he does with NFL coaching. Mesa, I got to push back here again. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and I love that There's we're, a lot we're to getting back on this here on this. One. Yeah. And, and I love that we're getting uh, different viewpoints, but I do feel like with these last two comments, our words have kind of been twisted in, in these comments. I never said that Nick Benito, and I feel like this is kind of directed at me. Uh, I never said that Nick Benito couldn't develop his game, but right now he is pretty much a one trick pony. In fact, Look at what Nathaniel Hackett and George Payton said about him after the draft. They pretty much said the exact same thing. They challenged him. He needs to get bigger. He needs to get stronger. He needs to become a more overall player. But he's really good at rushing the passer right now. Mace, he can add 10, 15 pounds and and become a run stopper and and become a more overall guy. He can develop a bull rush. I absolutely think he can do that. But also something you have to look at, Mace, when was Von Miller drafted? 11 years ago yeah different game different time 
totally different right game. And, and kind of as I mentioned, the the newer pass rusher, the modern pass rusher is Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory, uh, 6'5", 265 pounds. That's the modern day pass rusher. Now, you also made a good point, Mace, that maybe in five years, Nick Benito is the new modern day pass rusher being more of a smaller guy. But just right now, that's why he's not an overall guy. Yeah, the other thing also, uh, Vaughn, as talented as he was, as talented as he was, actually five games into the season got benched from base pack from the base package. Uh, in that game against the Chargers, when Tim Tebow came off the bench, uh, he got pulled from base package work was and was only used sub package rusher because he was struggling to set the edge. He was struggling at the point of attack. I mean, just wasn't just was getting uh, overpowered against the run. Now he learned from that. He figured it. He figured things out over time. But he wasn't a finished product then. The other thing, also, um, Nick Benito is not apples to apples to Von Miller as a pass rusher. He doesn't. He he doesn't have the same explosion as Von Miller. He doesn't have the same bend as Von Miller. I mean, I, I don't think it's Nick. I don't think it's fair at all to Nick Benito, frankly, to use the name Von Miller in the same breath. Yeah, and, and that's fair. I mean, one went number two overall, and one went number 64 overall. Vaughn yeah. was certainly viewed as an elite, rare, generational pass rusher, and that's why he was the second overall pick, only behind a quarterback, which we yeah. know how important that position is. It's it's post-draft season, and the thing that, that happens at this moment before we actually start getting them out there, even in practices, but getting them out there for preseason games, regular season games, is it's all about, well, they're going to, you know, oh, they're they're gonna they're going to maximize every aspect of their game. That rarely happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. Next one from Bronco Oilers says, "Good morning, folks. Living in Edmonton, it's been exciting to witness Oilers playoff fever with seamless Oilers flags on every other car. Swarms of fans filling the streets of downtown and White Ave, and the sea of orange and blue across the city. Edmonton is obsessed with its hockey team, and seeing the passion of the fan base during the Cup playoffs will give any sports fan chills. There's just something different about Can- Canadian cities during NHL playoffs, especially." Especially in a city with such a rich hockey history. It all gets my heart pumping for my true orange and blue love, the Denver Broncos, and the hopes that Bronco Mania will return to Denver as well. Besides the football itself, what aspects of playoff football do you each love most? What are you excited to see come back to Denver? Fingers crossed, knock on wood when the playoffs return. Cheers, go Broncos, and let's go Oilers. I mean, I think just seeing people excited again, that being said, when it comes to the town being excited and being wrapped up, football is great, but there's nothing like a baseball pennant race and baseball playoffs. Mm -hmm. I think part of it is it's the everyday nature of baseball compared to the once a week nature of football. I feel like, I feel like for whatever reason, the baseball pennant race tends to kind of seep into the community a little more that in terms of just the everyday going about uh, business than, than a football playoff, but it's just people, people get excited. Yeah. uh, People get really excited. And especially, I mean, and to, to your point, Mace, especially in Colorado, uh, I do think there's, there's nothing like Denver Broncos when they're good. That if, if all teams are at the same level of competitiveness, the city's a Broncos town through and through. There's no questions about it. True, However, there was nothing like Rocktober. Well, and that's nothing that's what I was going to say. Nothing the Broncos have done in terms of like really just the community going nuts was like 
Rocktober back in 07. You know what's crazy is I actually I think I think there were two most exciting times the two most exciting sports times in my life was Tim Tebow's run. Uh, I think I think the city was absolutely swept up in that and Rocktober. You, you are a hundred percent right. I think this town, uh, if all if all things are equal, this town is certainly a Broncos town. Next. I think it's a Rockies town. Now, the crazy thing is we, we just haven't seen it as much. Right. The Avs have been consistently better. The Nuggets have cons- been consistently better. The Broncos have obviously be- been consistently better. So we haven't seen it as much. But this town really is a baseball town, especially with the way Coors Field is now set up with Loda. I mean, you, you have a whole city surrounding the building. Uh, it's uh, In Power Field, it's kind of on its own. It's still downtown for people that haven't been, but it, it's not around a bar district. It, it, you're not just hanging out around the stadium, even if a game's not going on, where that's very much the case with Coors. Yeah, and I think baseball also kind of tends to sweep up more people than basketball and hockey do. Yeah. Yep. And I think, and probably again, kind of the everyday nature of it, there are more people that can say they go to a Rockies game in this town than get to one Bronco game, one Nugget game, one Avs game. Right, a hundred percent. You're you're spot on with that. And so I guess the one thing that I I'm really excited to see, Mace, is just the tailgate atmosphere and, and the pregame, uh, and and even during the game, Mace. We we've talked about uh, there's been ten thousand no shows consistently for Broncos games. That's not going to happen this year. There's going to be under a thousand no shows for games. Maybe you know two hundred no shows for games this year, especially in the playoffs. Uh, I miss seeing the stadium packed with orange. I'm seeing pom poms that are handed out for games. Everyone shaking them. I miss seeing tailgate and, and the parking lots being full. Before four games because obviously we're, we, we're pretty good with the tailgate and it's been really fun, but our tailgates are just going to be huge and the parking lots are going to be so full and it's just going to be such a fun atmosphere again. Yeah, it will be. Next one coming in from Vash. The man says, yo, 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 my boys just want to say hi. That's all. Keep up the good work. Love every moment. Just by doing this pod, whenever I'm having a bad day, I know I can count on y'all to make it better. Thank you. RK, Zach and Mace. Peace out, love, and chicken grease. I'm out. We love you, Bash the Man. And, and it, the comments like that mean so much. Appreciate it. And I think two more coming in. One from Samuel B. So he says, hey, guys, just wanted to share how I found out about the Russell Wilson trade. It was very simple. I was working when I got a text from my cousin, who was a diehard 49ers fan, that said, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Then he sent me the picture of Russell Wilson with the ESPN alert. Russ has been making 49ers fans living nightmare. He has been living rent-free in their head for years. Even last year when the 49ers got to the NFC Championship game, they couldn't beat Russ. I'm so happy. I still think this is a dream, and I'm glad we all get to see it together. I'm so pumped that we're all on this ride together, and I think we're all going to appreciate it even more because of what these past few years have been like. At least, Mace, I hope that people are able to remember what the bad is like and just enjoy the the the, the wins even more. I hope so, but if they're good for a while, people are going to forget. Because, because Peyton Manning was preceded by by five straight seasons without a winning record, of course, there was a Tim Tebow year, but then you had uh, you had four you had five non-playoff years, then the Tebow year, the you went nine and seven in, in 06, and then seven and nine, eight and eight, eight and eight, four and twelve, eight and eight. And I thought that maybe that would have caused people to appreciate Manning, but then after you know the, the second year, 
Broncos are beating the Jaguars at halftime. They're unbeaten. They're getting booed off the field. So, <laughs> you know what? Having seen having seen it happen before, I hope thing for Bron- the sake of Broncos fans, things go well. But I'm sure there will be a moment where if things are going well with Russell Wilson, the Broncos, that will be saying, you're booing? What's wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. It probably won't happen this year, but especially if Russ, Russ wants to play 10 years, Mace, pe- people are going to quickly forget about these last five years and expect championship or bust. Oh. I think they have a one-year window without that, and maybe I'm being too optimistic, but I do think the window is only going to be about a year. I think it'll be a, I think it'll be about a year as well. Again, yep. <laughs> yeah. the instructive example of that Jaguars game was it was in year two. Yeah. Of, uh, wow. Of, it was just Peyton. year two, huh? Yeah, it was. And they were, I think, uh, five and zero going into that game. But it was they were like a, a 19 point favorite over the Jaguars. It was a huge spread, like the, yeah. the biggest one that I think we've seen in the Broncos favor ever. And uh, they, they end up I believe they won. I want to say they won by 16 in the end. They pulled away. It was a comfortable win. But uh, I think people were expecting they'd score like 60. You know, and they right. I, I believe they scored thirty five in that game. That it was kind of uh, it was kind it was it was kind of absurd uh, that day, uh, no doubt. But you know, for a lot of people out there, nostalgia is what they had for breakfast. So, All right, yeah, I mean, a thirty putting up thirty five points and winning by sixteen points. And to think on Monday morning, you're unhappy about it. That is crazy. And what's oh. also crazy is we're going to be there in a couple of years, which is just nuts. Well, <laughs> one thing I, I will say, though, is this. If this division ends up being as tough as, as we expect it to be, yeah. and the AFC as a whole, you, even going outside, you have Josh Allen in Buffalo. You have Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. Lamar Jackson's a relatively recent MVP in Baltimore, and Baltimore is not looking like they're getting any worse, uh, uh, worse, worse at all. Um, I think maybe there may be too many, uh, too many mountains in the AFC for it to be completely smooth, and maybe that'll keep everybody, you know, th- th- that'll keep things on the level. By the way, the halftime score of that game. It was 14 to 12 Broncos. <laughs> it started off 14 nothing. The Jaguars pulled back within 12. And I believe I saw something in the comment section about Justin Blackman. Yeah, that was that was his big game. 14 mm. catches, 190 yards. Look, <laughs> looked like a looked like a stud in the making right then and there. Yeah. And then yeah, that did not yeah, turn out. That, that, that was, had to be that, his that best game in the NFL. That's actually really sad. That, it's really sad yeah. how things uh how, how it went for him because he he had the talent, but he had substance abuse problems. Yep, exactly. And last comment coming in from Skookum24 says, so when is the DNVR travel agency getting started? I would love to go to both the Broncos and Avs games. You know what? We've been doing some cool things by packaging things together. Maybe we'll get something going on like that. That one may be a little too hard, but heck, maybe we will. I know uh, people in the company are making plans already, so we will see. And Mace, we got one super chat to hit on our way out. It is coming in from our friend dylan he says so bum just moved to tampa last year and was so excited to go to the game in jacksonville off topic mace what's your top five things to do in tampa i mean mace this is a perfect question for you with both points well also it depends what you're looking for if you're looking for bars and clubs i can't really help you <laughs> um if you i'd say if you're looking for uh, you know, fun things to do 
got a great zoo. There's got Zoo Tampa is a great zoo. My daughter absolutely loves that place. Uh, Bush Gardens has some of the best roller coasters uh, you're, you're gonna you're gonna find uh, anywhere. Um, if you kind of explore the area, you're, you're gonna find uh, pockets of some really good re- some really good restaurants. There are a lot of great uh, restaurants to, in downtown St. Petersburg. Now, also recommend catching a rowdy soccer game over there. They play at Old Al Lang Stadium, which is right by the water. It's a beautiful place to watch to watch a match. Uh, I'll I'll stand up for the town my parents live in, uh, Tarpon Springs. There are some great Greek restaurants there in a little area called uh, the Sponge Docks. You're going to kind of want to kind of kind of hit on that. And uh, if you're willing to take a, a little bit of drive, uh, go down to um, the area around St. Armand Circle in in Sarasota as well. There we go. I love it, Mace. And I loved this podcast. And I loved all of you rolling with us today. And Mace, it was a pleasure. I love this conversation. And we'll talk about the defensive side of the ball next week. Thank you all so much for tuning in, whether you're on the podcast side, whether you're watching live. We really appreciate it. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. We'll be back tomorrow with one more episode for this week. Have a terrific Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow on the DNBR Broncos podcast. Country Drive. Now understand that you need